everyone. Thanks for tuning in to D&D Library Talk. I'm Sam, one of the team librarians at the Monroe County Public Library. And I'm Laura. I also work at the Monroe County Public Library. And I'm Scott. I'm a game designer and library volunteer. We're D&D players and GMs who have a lot of experience with a variety of game systems. We've all DM'd or participated in RPG games at the library, and we're going to talk about how to make a game better. Everything from group dynamics to game design to world building. We'll talk about it. Here we go. The eyes of this mummified woman glow a bright green out of the darkness. And though you can't see her mouth and nose, uh, you can just feel this menacing gaze and this sneer. I need the both of you to roll initiative. So uh, as a reminder for folks listening at home, in games like Dungeons and Dragons, when you get into a battle, it's important to know who attacks first, who attacks second, who attacks third. And so both of the uh, heroes, Errol and Miss Maple, are rolling a die and they're adding a certain number. So you'll be adding your saving throw to this. So uh, Errol, what do you have? I got a six. And Miss Maple, what do you have? I got a five. Hey, nice. All Pretty right. good rolls. <laughs> and I'm going to roll for the monsters and the environment. And I got a two. So luckily, our two heroes, the chaos mage researcher, Miss Maple, and her dwarvish bodyguard, Errol, despite being surprised by this mummy woman blasting out of the sarcophagus, are able to react first. So Errol, the bodyguard, you stand between the approaching mummified woman with her glowing green eyes and brass headpiece. And behind you, Miss Maple. And you can feel her lithe fingers tapping anxiously against your armor and your cloak. What do you do? Uh, I feel like Errol's first move would be to try to like remove one of the limbs of the mummy as it like stretches toward him so like just like an axe blow like at the elbow joint to try to cut it off all right go ahead and roll your attack so in games like D, when you want to make an attack you will roll and add some number that is on your sheet uh because sam is playing a dwarf fighter he is quite strong he is quite good with weapons so his roll should be pretty good what did you roll an 11. Yeah, so that's a solid blow. So you bring the blade down. You have an axe, right, you said? Mm-hmm. And you expect to just cleave through the wrappings and through what must be ancient parchment-like flesh and bone. But it feels like you're hitting steel. Hmm. So how much damage do you deal? Ten. So you deal damage... And when you pull your blade back, you see that there is a hollow inside the mummy. And that is where the sound of flapping and buzzing wings is coming from. Miss Maple, what do you do? Um, I want to try and throw, shoot an acid arrow at that mm -hmm. flapping sound. Mm -hmm. um, if I can like try and pinpoint that. Yeah, so you narrow your eyes and peer through the gloom of this uh, ancient, decrepit tomb filled with thousands of small bone boxes in which fairies, P-H, fairies, are entombed. Go ahead and roll your spell attack. 
eight plus two is 10. Yeah, so despite the darkness that surrounds you and the kicking up of sand, your acid arrow strikes the mummy and you see the wrappings hiss. How many points of damage? Um, five damage. Nice. And the monster is vulnerable until the end of your next turn. Oh, so good. they'll take an so, extra five damage. I have bad news for you, Miss Maple. Uh oh. Uh huh. When you strike her with your acid arrow, her headpiece, this winged piece of brass on her forehead, glows and a shimmering field of force surrounds her body. This mummy is not actually an undead creature but it is a construct. It is a living animated statue that is wrapped in cloth and as such is resistant to magic. Oh no. And many uh. golems, many animated creatures like living statues and iron automatons are resistant or sometimes outright immune to magic. So what do you do now, Miss Maple? Do you have a, behind you, you've got a lot of open space. Mm -hmm. uh, there is the portcullis that continues off to the east. There is this bubbling tar that pours down from the face of this Pharaoh Queen fountain. Uh, mm -hmm. Or do you want to just keep cowering behind the dwarf for cover? Um, if I can back away any further, but did it look like it dealt any damage or did she look completely immune? She looked completely immune to that particular okay. spell. Hey, Errol, sorry, but I'm not going to be much help. Um, and I, I think I might, like, turn around and see... Are, are we next to the bubbling pit of tar? Uh, no, you're about a dagger's throw away, about maybe 30 feet. Okay, I want to get closer to that pool of tar. Okay, and you just look and see this churning, bubbling black pitch that pours out like tears on the face of the Pharaoh Queen and into this great hemisphere-shaped basin. And that is the end of your turn. All right, so it is the environment. You can hear the sound of flapping wings grow louder from inside what you suspect is a hollow mummy. She draws closer, her eyes glowing an even deeper, more fearsome emerald color. And the odor of ancient parchment just overwhelms you, Errol. It is now your turn. What do you do? Um, I feel like Errol is going to burn one of his one-use powers, given uh, the fact that uh, Miss Maple's spells were not useful against this. And so Errol is going to punch uh, the mummy with the gauntlets of ogre power. Oh, so what do those do? That is 15 damage, and you gain a plus two to your next saving throw. Oh, wow. And so I think Errol would try to, like, punch the mummy to try to, like, drive it back toward the sarcophagus to try to keep it as far away as possible. Okay, go ahead and roll it. Your gauntlets of ogre power glistening in the darkness. Oh, boy. Oh, whew, that's an eight. So you hit, but she will get to retaliate. So mm -hmm. how many points of damage? 15. All right. The mummy 
this mummy construct, uh, you hear a thunderous crack as if pieces of stone have broken underneath the wrappings. And what else does the gauntlets do for you? I gain a plus two bonus to my next saving throw. Yeah, so you see that this thing, as much as a construct can be dazed or knocked off balance, it is. However, after you bring your fist back and crack your knuckles beneath the gauntlets, you see that seams have split open. And that is when out from inside of this mummy construct pours forth a swarm of fairy embalmers. They look like miniature women with fairy wings that are in black cloaks and they carry embalming implements like human sized ones like little spoons and knives but they carry them in two hands as if they were great weapons and they fly out and start to fill this chamber. Maple, what do you do? Does there, does the basin look like it can detach? Like, could I pick that up? Uh, no, it's quite large and it's mm-hmm. set into the wall. It's like a semicircle, uh, like a bowl. Okay, and there's no like bowls or cups nearby. Uh, so you look around and you can see that scattered around the base of this fountain are small cracked little ceramic bowls. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of want to try and fill up a bowl with this tar and splash it out a fairy just to see what happens. All right. When you reach down, mm-hmm. these fairy embalmers move much more quickly than you would expect. Whoa. And you can see the the glinting of the embalming implements that they carry like two-handed weapons because of their small size, but they don't land on you and start poking and cutting. But instead, you see that they start to unroll strips of parchment and they fly around your legs and fly around your arms to try to trip you and knock you into the fountain of boiling pitch. I need you to make a saving throw. They're kind of doing like a, like a Star Wars AT-AT where they fly around the legs. Uh-huh, That's what they're uh-huh. doing to you. Mm-hmm. You're like a giant is, to them. <laughs> is the saving roll 2d6 plus my yes. save? Okay. Uh, six plus two is eight plus the one is nine. Ooh, yeah. So that is a partial success. So here's the choice you have to make, Miss Maple. What items do you have on you? I have the potion of uh, fresh water, the Oasis one. Um, and let's see, I already used the neutralized poison. Um, so I think the only thing would be the health potion. So your choice, the options that you have are to fall into the basin. You will take damage from the hot bubbling tar and it will boil your potion or you can stand your ground. You don't fall in to the bubbling tar fountain. You don't lose your potion, but you become bound and constricted by the fairy embalmers as they fly around you 
and just unroll this parchment. Does that make sense what they're doing? Yeah. Um, I think I would rather be constricted. Uh, this is a really stupid question, but is tar flammable? I actually don't know. I'm going to say, for this case, not really. Oh, um, okay. But it is very hot. Mm-hmm. And it will okay. it will cause things to combust. Like if it came into contact with paper, it would catch fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'll just, yeah, <laughs> be wrapped up. Okay. So, uh, Errol, you turn around and see Miss Maple struggling against the cloud of fairy embalmers that flew out from inside this mummy construct and have wrapped her in enough of these embalming papers where it's hard for her to move. And you can see that runes, hieroglyphs, are starting to glow on those wrappings. What do you do? Uh, At this moment... Errol is going uh, to begin sprinting toward Maple, but he's also going to activate the Ring of Scorpions. Oh, so remind everybody what that does. So that means once per game, I can become a giant scorpion, like giant scorpion. So we are like 10 minutes in. You're going to use it already? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't worry, Errol. I've got this. I do believe you, but just in case. (laughs) And uh, click. So you activate the ring. Uh, Describe what it looks like as a dwarf who's about maybe four feet tall, stout, encased in armor and wrapped in cloaks. What does it look like when you transform into an eight-foot-long giant scorpion? So it's almost like there is a whole bunch of like red and like sand colored like light that comes out and like encases arrow and like starts to spread out in the shape of a scorpion and then in that you start to see like flesh form as he moves around and becomes this giant scorpion inside of there that is amazing and your heavy legs kick up clouds of sand with each heavy step your tail coils uh while the mummy being an automaton does not react at all. She just continues to take these heavy steps towards you. The fairy embalmers seem visibly shaken. So what I'm going to say is I will let you carry over your plus two that you had against the mummy, against the fairies, if you so choose. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, So what are you going to do with your scorpion power? So this is... It's uh, not super fancy, but essentially he's just going to walk over on either side of Miss Maple, bring the giant scorpion claws down, and try to smush and then smash all of the different fairies that are either smash into the floor or on the walls. Go ahead and roll 2d6 plus 4. <laughs> that is a 13. Yeah, so uh, Miss Maple, you are bound up. You're trying to struggle against uh, the restraints of the mummy wrappings around you. And then out of the darkness clacks this giant scorpion. Um, and the two claws come down and just smash away clouds of these fairy embalmers around you. And uh, Arrow, when you drag your claws back, you know how when you smash lightning bugs and they leave kind of a glowing residue? Mm-hmm. That's what you see all around you on the ground is this emerald colored residue. There are still some of these fairies left flying around brandishing their embalming implements, but you've reduced their numbers by about two thirds. 
Cool. Yeah, they're now thinly scattered throughout the chamber. Nicely done. And then you transform back into your normal dwarvish self. Maple, you are still wrapped in the bindings, though. You can see the hieroglyphs. Despite the fact that Errol managed to smash away a large number of these fairy embalmers, that has not stopped the hieroglyphs from glowing brighter and brighter. And you look down, and you don't recognize a lot of the hieroglyphs, but there is one that you recognize from the rubbing that you made early in this adventure. And it roughly translates to the word magnet. Oh, no. Ooh. Uh, what do you Errol, do? Um, gosh, do you think, is there any way that if I jump into the bubbling pool of tar that only the bandages and myself would get damaged and not the potion? <laughs> or is it just a, we'll find out? That's a really big if. <laughs> If you roll um, well enough on a saving throw, it's possible, but that's a very big risk. Um, I, uh, hmm. Are your hands exposed at all? Yeah, can I wiggle outside? out my fingers? <laughs> um, yeah, you, they're kind of like at your sides, but you can mm-hmm. wiggle your fingers. Are the fairies kind of clumped together, like the remaining ones? Uh, so they are, and in fact, um, I will reveal to you that while the mummy construct is resistant to magic, the fairy embalmers, because they are a cloud, they are a swarm, they are vulnerable to magic, particularly area of effect spells like fireballs or acid splashes or things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and do burning hands, like wiggling my yeah, fingers out. That's a great <laughs> example of one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and roll, uh, go ahead and roll the attack on that. That is 11 plus 2 is 13. Oh, yeah. So describe how you're able to aim so well with your burning hand, despite being (laughs) mostly tied up by mummy Um, wrappings. Just sheer perseverance and (laughs) just being really cranky today since I'm out of my spells. And I don't like this. (laughs) Yeah. So the the flames fill this otherwise gloomy underground tomb with bright light and it chases away the shadows and you can just see truly how many there are hundreds and hundreds of these niches bored into the wall that have the fairies inside of them and in that instant where the chamber is lit you can see that many of the fairy embalmers do not have their attention turned to you or to Errol but are searching through the small bone boxes and some of them are opening them up as if they're looking for certain fairies that have been interred here. But the ones that you do manage to catch are incinerated and you hear shrieks that fill the air and slowly dropping out of the air are just these charred remains, almost like fireworks drifting down. What is the other power you get with um, Burning Hands? Um, oh, 15 damage and you may pop free. Yeah, so you can Just... pop free of the bindings. <laughs> Scorch myself a little, but it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, so Yeehaw. you burst free from the bindings. You wriggle free in a cloud of ashes and embers. Errol, how do you react to her uh, escape trick that she just pulled? 
I just kind of imagine that when that happened, Miss Maple was like, ta-da! Just <laughs> mm-hmm. like, hey. Magic hands. And uh, Errol just nods and says, well done, and then like turns around uh, to put himself between the automaton and Miss Maple again. Try right, and, and trip her into the pool of tar. <laughs> and um, it is now your turn, Errol, and you have a... Uh, two things that are competing for your attention. Uh, the first is the slowly approaching mummified automaton drawing closer uh, with her heavy stone limbs wrapped in parchment and her burning green eyes, her brass headpiece also glowing, or the rummaging of the last few embalmer fairies. They're looking for something or someone inside the bone boxes all around you. So I think Errol would leave all of those creatures uh, to Miss Maple because he has very few distance um, attacks, and especially because the automaton is seems to be either completely invulnerable or mostly invulnerable to magic. Uh, so where is the automaton in the chamber right now? Like halfway yeah. down, a third? So it is maybe a few steps out of the sarcophagus. Errol, you're kind of square in the middle of the chamber. Okay. And then Miss Maple is at the far end, all the way behind you at the fountain. Um, I guess Errol would just, again, use the enchanted axe and try to hit the same spot that he did before. Not really to, like, get in super close, but just to continue to, like, lure it forward. Because he heard Maple mention the, like, drop into the pool of tar. So he's going to keep trying to lure it and goad it toward him. Okay, go ahead and uh, roll it. Nine. So you swing and your axe blade gets embedded Hmm. in the mummified automaton's chest. So go ahead and deal your damage. 10 damage. And you have trouble pulling it back out again. It feels as if you've embedded it in a stone door. Hmm. She draws closer and slams you with a heavy stone fist covered in wrappings. You take 25 points of damage and you feel a tremendous pain spread through your body. Yikes. And Uh. now would be a good time to introduce another danger that is common in games like Dungeons and Dragons. And those are curses. So Errol, I need you to make a saving throw against a curse known as mummy rot. Oh no. Oh good, oh good. Uh, do I have that plus two still carrying or is that gone? That is gone. Okay. Uh, 12. Yeah, so your cloak of resistance mm-hmm. and your natural dwarven resilience comes through for you and you are not affected by the mummy rot curse. But your weapon is still embedded in her chest. Maple, you see that the air has cleared around you. There are no fairy embalmers that are trying to trip you mm. with rolls of parchment or stick you with little uh, forks or hooks. The bubbling behind you continues to echo and pop and give off a pungent smell. You can hear the rustling of the fairy embalmers looking for something, and you can see Errol struggling to remove his axe, and the 
mummy construct ready to bring down another stone fist. What oh. do you do? Uh, Errol, let me know if you want my o- oasis vial. Errol just coughs and spits up some blood, but points to his belt where he has one left. Okay. Um, well, after he does that, I'm just going to take aim at one of the fairies that are um, rummaging and just try to snipe them with an acid arrow. All right, go ahead and roll it. You trace them through the darkness and project an arrow of acid from your fingertips. I got double ones. You got double oh. ones? Yeah. Oh, no. So <laughs> that is what we call, Trip in the language back. of Dungeons and Dragons, a critical <laughs> failure. So oh, not no. only did you not succeed, but something extra bad happens. Oh, no. The headpiece of this mummy construct glows and then projects a cone of emerald colored light and your you watch miss maple as your perfectly aimed acid arrow bends in the darkness towards her headpiece and gets absorbed by it her entire body becomes flush with this green color and acid and slime drips out from between the cracks in her stony body and the wrappings that drift with every swing of her heavy stone fists. She has absorbed your spell and has become an acid mummy golem. Oh my God. And she swings down. Oh no. And hits Errol for another 25 points of damage. How many hit points do you have remaining? Uh, minus 10. So you are knocked unconscious. So you see Errol just crumble to the ground in a heap. The acid pours all over your body, Errol. And I need you to make what is called an item saving throw. So in games like D&D, um, you know, characters have to make saving throws and bad things happen. But also sometimes items will have to make saving throws. And depending on how resilient they are, or if they're magical, they'll have a better or worse chance. So this acid is threatening to dissolve your cloak of resistance. Now, luckily, it's a plus three cloak. So you're gonna roll a saving throw with a plus three. So roll two dice, add three, and tell me the result. Looking for a high number. Oh boy. (laughs) That is an 11. Yeah, so your cloak of resistance is not dissolved. (sighs) Miss Maple, you are watching your friend, your bodyguard of over a half decade, like crumpled in a heap. Uh, You hear the grinding of stone as this woman-shaped stone mummy golem slowly raises her gaze to look at you (laughs) scarcely regarding the body of errol at her feet the acid continues to drip she makes no sound she does not speak her headpiece continues to glow and it looks as if she's about to project an acid arrow at you now if you are quick you might be able to duck underneath her acid arrow and dodge between her swinging stone fists 
to grab the Oasis potion and force it down Errol's throat through the beads in his beard Mm -hmm. and recover him. Or you can try to fight her, defeat her, and then revive Errol in safety. But if you aren't able to destroy her quickly enough... She will finish the job. Is it clear what the choice is, what the dilemma is here? Yeah. Um, Errol, I have a mastermind plan. Don't worry. I'm going to get you up in two seconds. And I'm going to hop onto the ledge of the tar pool. Okay. Um, I'm going to start being like, come here, you big stinky mummy. And um, like go towards the face of the pouring tar. Does it feel like I can move the face at all? No, it's embedded right in the wall but it's pretty pretty big um and the entire tomb shakes and the hundreds of bone boxes rattle (laughs) with each heavy step so she steps over uh as long as it's not on errol okay and starts making her way towards you slowly but errol's bleeding out okay errol don't worry this is gonna take five seconds and i can i like is the face kind of like a ledge can i climb on top of it yeah, it sticks I, I out from the that. wall. I want to do that and be like, come on, you dumb mummy. <laughs> All Hopefully right, so that's you not leap too up vile and, to say. Uh, you are now standing on your toes. Your back is pressed against this uh-huh. dusty uh, obsidian covered in sand. The mummy is now close within an arm's reach of you, and she pulls her acidic stone embalmed fist back. And if she strikes, you feel like she'll just punch right through the stone face. That's mm-hmm. how strong she is. Which would be kind of cool, because then <laughs> maybe it'll spew. What do you do? Uh, I, I would like to try and bait her to punch the stone face, or to... I don't know how smart this construct is, so if I can even try to yeah. bait her to take a step in the tar pool, I just want to get her as close to that as possible but punching the face would be perfect so i'll try and yeah, yeah. so that would be a saving throw Uh-oh. do you have any spells or items that you want to use <laughs> in a creative way to give you a bonus and that's something that um you know we mentioned and i hate to interject the tension and mm-hmm. make you uh live with the suspense here for a minute laura but as we mentioned in one of our episodes about the nuts and bolts of DD, um it's not just about what's on your character sheet but if you can think of interesting or creative ways to use your items or use the environment uh the dungeon master might give you uh bonuses or make it easier for you to accomplish what you set out to do so what have you got? I don't think you have any any spells left. Do you have any items I left have, at all outside of the the, like, the Oasis potion? I have one burning hands left and acid arrow and just the potion. Um, I'm just going to be a real 10 out of 10 genius and just try and jump oh when boy. she punches. All right. I will say if you want to use your burning hands, that's a limited use mm-hmm. power, right? Yes, I only have one more use of burning hands. You can shoot out with the burning hands to try to dazzle. Okay. It won't hurt her at all because she's immune to magic, but you can maybe try to dazzle this mummy golem or distract. I will give you a plus two bonus if you use up your last use of burning okay. hands. Does that makes sense do what I'm describing? Yes. Can I like <laughs> use it to jet myself into the yeah. air at all? <laughs> you can use it <laughs> like to propel yourself. Um, yeah. But 
yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'll, do, be I'll wild. do that. Yeah. Um, All right, here it is. I really want to Google if tar is flammable now. Yeah. <laughs> Shooting at the tar pool <laughs> with burning hands right below me. Um, so six plus the two plus by one is uh, nine. Uh-oh. So a nine is a success with a cost. How many hit points do you have? I have 30. So you blast yourself off using the propulsion of your burning hands. <laughs> you fly into the air. <laughs> wow, okay. Just as the mummy construct punches. Uh-huh. <laughs> she falls forward into the bubbling and burning pitch. Yes. And she gets stuck and you see it burn the wrappings and scorch the stone from which she is made and melt the brass headpiece. In that same instant though, she punches through the face and hopefully, maybe we can get this queued up in the podcast. Can someone play for me the Zelda secret sound? Because a secret has been revealed. Oh. She punches through the face and it turns out it is hollow. However, you cannot control your flight. <laughs> oh, no. You kind of zoom around like a, like a jet pack. I just am saying yee-haw the whole time. One big, long yee-haw. Yee-haw. <laughs> and you slam into the bars. Oh, no. The portcullis that uh-huh. lead off into the darkness. And you take 25 points of damage. <laughs> you just feel your shoulder dislocate and you fall... Oh, and boy. you are on you fall like on your head, you're upside down, mm-hmm. your legs and your boots are over over your head, your cloak Slightly falls concussed. over your face. Are you still alive? I have five hit points left. Oh yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. So you are in a daze. Everything is blurry. I would describe to you what's beyond the destroyed fountain face, but it's just all a blur. Yeah. And I'm Errol, just, uh, you yeah. are unconscious Be-lighting. here. I want to beeline to Errol and just immediately take that Oasis liquid. Yeah. yeah. So you are dazed, unfortunately. Oh, no. So you're going to get your wits about you here in a second, but I'm going to pull up the dice roller here, and I'm going to have to make a last breath roll. Oh, no. For Errol. Oh, no. So this is a dramatic moment because you aren't conscious uh, in other... Uh, games like D&D, these might be called death saving throws or death saves. Uh, I am going to roll two dice plus nothing. Oh boy. Could I try and sidestep this by drinking my oasis potion to get my wits about me and then using his oasis potion on him? Or would it still Yeah, roll? so unfortunately you are just, you're seeing little okay. birds and you're seeing little yeah. fairies flying around your head. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to roll these uh, out in the open here. So for those at home, I have a dice roller in front of me. I'm gonna throw two dice. Higher number is better. Let's see what happens. Ah, beans. A six normally would not be enough. You would have perished. You would have died here in this dark tomb of the Scorpion Queen. But what I did not tell you, I misled you a little bit, Errol. 
that plus three cloak of resistance also applies to last breath rolls, to death saving throws. Huh. This was actually a nine. So you got very huh. lucky. If that acid from the absorbed spell, from Miss Maple's absorbed spell, would have destroyed that cloak, you would not be here today. But in fact, you survive. Miss Maple, you shake away the days, you pull yourself to your feet. There are no enemies around. The fairies, the embalmers have scattered into the darkness. Who knows if we'll see them again? And I assume you just force it down into Mm -hmm. his throat. Yep. Okay, so we are out of battle, out of initiative. So, uh, Errol, you are at 10 hit points now. Yes. And you recover a use of one of your abilities. Yes. Um, When you... When your eyes adjust to the darkness and you wipe away the blood and the sand, uh, you see that uh, Miss Maple is badly hurt and badly scorched, but you are unconscious. You have no idea what happened. Miss Maple, do you tell him what happened or do you prefer? Oh, yeah, I'm going to say I punched the mummy in the back of its head and she toppled over in a second. And that's what I call the mage punch. (laughs) I'll teach you one day. Uh, do you do you believe that, Errol? <laughs> Errol is not feeling very good, and even though he's at ten hit points, he's like still spitting up blood. And he's just gonna go nod and go like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well done. Seems like you don't need me anymore, and then just like <laughs> fall down a little bit. <laughs> and uh, I mean, to her credit, there is a smoldering, crumpled heap of a of a mummy at the far end. And so, uh, looking beyond here, uh, there is a hidden tomb beyond the face. And so if you're feeling uh, up to it, Errol, you have 10 hit points. Uh, Miss Maple, are you going to drink one of your Oasis potions as well? Yeah, I'm debating uh, giving it to Errol since he's in the front. Um, Hey, Errol, do you want this Oasis potion? No, I feel like we should be uh, equal so we both have a decent chance of surviving. Because you would be at five, right? Uh Uh-huh. I don't know if you would survive with just 10 hit points, though. Yeah, you were both in the... uh, If this were a video game, you'd be seeing the red border and the heartbeat sound. You're both in a pretty bad way. Yeah, I'm going to give you the potion. You should probably drink it because then you'll get, like, one of your burning hands or fireball or something back. That's true. Well, summon monster could be good to get the heartbeat. Dimension door is good for myself unless I can take you with me. No, it's just myself. Um, Arguably summon monster, because then we at least have a distraction. Okay. I'll drink it, and I'm at 15 now, and I'll cross that out. Um, All right. The water feels incredibly cool and soothing on your throat. Okay. Is there such thing as a short rest in this game? (laughs) Uh, There is not, but we will be getting to something in a moment. Okay. Let's go check out that tomb that you yeah, so awesome Yeah, I'm just going to hop over us. the golem's body and try and climb. Yeah, so you see that the fountain has been destroyed, and all of the tar has begun to harden and cool, creating a little ramp that leads up into the wall. And inside, uh, there is a small crypt. There is a sarcophagus, not dissimilar from the one that you just saw this mummy burst out from. Uh, But it has the image of a armored warrior woman riding a giant scorpion and wielding uh, a kopesh, like a hooked bladed weapon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
That is so and there cool. And are, there are canopic jars sealed with this hardened black tar scattered on crude wooden shelves all around. So there's the the sarcophagus with the engraving and then all of these jars filled with tar surrounding it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to open one of the jars. <laughs> I'm okay. sorry. So you pop one of these jars open and mm-hmm. the odor of just rotten organs hits you. You almost drop the jar. Just That's how gross it is. Put that away. Don't smell that, Errol. It is very bad. <laughs> it's a very bad idea. Errol has been slowly walking up behind, kind of using his axe as a cane, and he's just oh, muttering no. to himself. And then oh, I'm yeah. going to try and pop open the sarcophagus. All right, Stay back, so you Errol. Slide your gloved fingers into the seam. Uh-huh. You try to peel away some of the hardened tar that has sealed the sarcophagus for millennia, perhaps. You, with all of your strength, as much as you can muster with, you know, 15 hit points and being a several hundred year old chaos mage, you manage to slide the cover stone off. And inside is a glistening, glimmering pool of water. Oh! Oh. And it seems oh. l- like it's luminescent, like it, like you know when um, like a pool and light uh-huh. reflects and it kind of casts the wavy light on the mm-hmm. on the walls. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. I'm gonna lie down in it. <laughs> when you do so, the canopic jars rattle, oh, no. and several so of the lids pop off in an instant, and you. Oh. You can hear kind of dimly under the water. Like, you know, when you hear sound underwater, it's very sort of Uh muted. You hear and you try to flail around in the water and arrow. You hear the sounds of struggle and you, but you're, you know, you're just trying to pull yourself (laughs) along on your, on your cane using your ax and popping out from these urns are more of these fairy embalmers. And they lift the cover stone and they pull it over the top and you see darkness. It's like a cocoon. I'm going to turn into a butterfly. You are floating kind of like a sensory deprivation chamber Uh under the water. You are fully healed and all of your powers are restored. Yes. Yeah. The whole time I'm just thinking about turning into a scorpion, just a big giant scorpion, a bigger scorpion than Errol turned into. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can see the light, a sliver of light appears and the fairies using strips of parchment as, as leverage lift, they airlift this cover stone off and you are pulling yourself out of the sarcophagus as if uh, lifting yourself out of a bath. You gotta get in there, Errol. It, I would highly recommend that. And Just Errol looks mysteriously right up and down and sees like there's no damage, there's no like cuts, all the burning and stuff has been healed, and he just goes, "Yep, that sounds like a great idea," and throws <laughs> his normally cautious approach to the winds and just like, like hobbles over and just kind of like falls in, like creating a bit of like splash as the water comes out. And it reminds you of sort of the under mountain 
salty hot springs that dwarvish warriors would bathe in in their underground cities and you just your joints feel wonderful you too are healed and all of your powers are restored yes go team do you still have those two empty vials yes you should maybe fill up this water it could just be gross bath water or it could be (laughs) not I guess (laughs) if we refill the jars Scott does anything negative happen uh, no, they become uh, oasis potions. Nice. Boom. I'm so Excellent glad that secret. wasn't like a one-use thing, and then you just die in the tomb. <laughs> I felt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and you're shut for good. Uh-oh. So there Maple, is. You saved the day. Mm-hmm. There is an item. So Errol, you pull yourself up. This is your first opportunity to look around and take in the chamber. Uh, since Miss Mabel basically hurried you into the sarcophagus. <laughs> there is something hanging on the wall. There is a relic here in this previously hidden tomb. And drawing closer, pulling yourself, hoisting yourself out of this uh, sarcophagus bathtub, it is a strangely shaped saddle. I think that we should get on that saddle. And I I refill my empty vial, too. And then I head over to the saddle, and I'm just like, that's a good idea, right? That idea was good. This idea is going to be good. We're all healed up. So this item, if you choose to take it, Uh is the saddle of the scorpion rider. So the person who uses this can ride a giant scorpion as a mount and gain bonuses in combat and that includes being able to ride Errol if he transforms into a giant (laughs) scorpion and if you use this item um i'll get into more i'll get into more detail about it when it becomes relevant but it also it can extend the amount of time that Errol can remain a scorpion as long as miss maple is riding the saddle as a scorpion knight on his back I realize this seems so dehumanizing, and I I don't mean to insult you, but I think this could be a great item. (laughs) I will also mention that when you take the saddle off, there's another hook nearby, and there is a barbed uh, a whip or a lash that the scorpion rider would use to... Taking that, yeah. (laughs) Don't worry, I, I promise I won't use it. And also, if your pride is like, no, this isn't happening, I totally respect that. Honestly, I think I'm probably too prideful for, you know, a saddle. Yeah, Errol, how do you feel about this? Uh, Errol is going to look and be like, being a scorpion was awesome. (laughs) I loved it. Uh, I was able to kill so many things at once. Anything that allows me to do that longer is great. Let's do this. Okay, does he just put the saddle on? How does he do this? Uh, So you would just carry it with you. Um, You would Uh have to carry it, Miss Maple. Okay, like a cowboy. Heck yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like Errol would uh, figure out some way to like like lash it like some sort of like satchel or purse so that it's like hanging from Miss Maple's side so that oh, she's not just wandering around worry. like I, carrying. My young days before I went to magic school, I was a rancher. I've, oh, I've handled okay. a lot there we of go, saddles. There we go. Yeah, good old. Are you gonna days. break into like 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 southwestern like like mountain cowboy speak? 
Because all of a sudden, I, I like, you'll just gaze off skill. into the distance and there'll be a steel guitar that plays. But, like, the mountains don't say much. <laughs> That's <laughs> what goes through Miss Maple's head. But, unfortunately, her fantasy ranch didn't have that cool accent. <laughs> I'm also, like, imagining, like, Miss Maple's also like, I need some spoons. I can play the spoons. The spoons. <laughs> yeah, really poorly. She was born, born to ramble mm-hmm. <laughs> across mm-hmm. the American Southwest. Okay. So, where to now? Dungeoneers, uh, you were in the secret tomb, uh, bathing in this sarcophagus bathtub with the oasis water that seems to glow with its own sunlight. Uh, beyond the destroyed wall and the crumbled mummy golem, there is this path of coins, like cobblestones, that lead to the sarcophagus set into the wall all the way across. Uh, you can go back into the first chamber with the ruined scorpion idol or there are these Oops. bars that lead off uh, to your right to the east uh, into darkness but that's where the glowing onk can be seen in the distance I think we should explore the uh, sarcophagus yeah I have a feeling there might be something there alright so uh, are you going to lead the way Errol? oh yeah Errol's going to go and like using his axe like to see what's inside the tomb like kind of like poke and like prod before moving any further this tomb or this tomb up here the one at the top okay so you make your way out you climb out over the hardened tar across the cobblestones and pulling aside the cover stone you see just solid wall behind the sarcophagus um, but yeah, this is where the cobble, this little path of coins leads to. Does the sarcophagus seem like it has any uh, like hinges or like a hidden switch or something? Um, not that you can tell by cursory observation, but there is no back to the sarcophagus. It looks like it's been like built right up against the wall. Mm. Can I try and kick the the wall that's built? Sure, so you rush up, um, you kick the wall, and to your surprise, a door-shaped opening crumbles away. You know, you learned this back on the ranch. Lots of good skills. And there is a cloud of obsidian and sand. And Errol, your face is just, your beard, your face, all the beads, is just completely powdered by all of this that kicks up. How do you react to Miss Maple just coming up, casually <laughs> kicking the wall open like some kind of hulking stone golem? I'm so uh, sorry. Errol's just gonna like cough like repeatedly and like wipe his face to get the dust off and just look at Miss Maple and be like, this worked, but why? <laughs> I, you know, as I grow older, I get more impulse control and you know, maybe my 200th birthday, I'll finally be there. I didn't mention that um, Laura paid me extra to install the Destructible Terrain DLC for this adventure. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. There you go, there you go. I think she's destroyed pretty much every room in this chamber, oh, or this no. dungeon so far. Oh, and gosh. your lovely scorpion statue as well. Before we could even use, like, the the star map. Oh, Just no. punching walls, ripping fountains yeah. out of the wall. My old little mage just, yeah, chopping through stuff. It's just the demolition segment of every uh, like mm-hmm. house flipping episode on HGTV. I have a sledgehammer somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Anyway, table talk is always a fun part of D&D, folks. <laughs> so we, um, we're back here. We are looking at the map for those at home. Uh, Miss Maple has just kicked open the wall behind the sarcophagus, revealing a corridor beyond. A dark corridor with a low arched ceiling. It stretches beyond the edge of your light, which if you remember is sort of a ghostly head of Miss Maple <laughs> with a pleasant expression on her face. You can't see where the corridor ends, just stretches beyond the end of your ghostly light, but you can see that sticking out from the walls, four on either side are large stone faces of the Scorpion Queen in her pharaoh-like headdress, and they're looking just straight into the chamber. Four on the left, four on the right. And the air is still swirling with particulate, and the odor of ancient stone and sand hits you like a wall. What do you do? Hey, Errol, are you okay with me just, you know, rummaging through a few more of these? And I'm just going to grab some of the fairy boxes and open and look, because I was curious because the other fairies were rummaging through them. Is this okay, Errol? And I'm just <laughs> rummaging while I ask. <laughs> you're doing it as you're asking him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Errol just continues to, like, dust himself off from all the, like, stone bits and just shakes his head but walks into the chamber. No, no reply. That's fair. That's fair. One day I'll learn prestidigitation or something. Help you clean up. All right, so you've pulled a couple of these uh, little bone boxes out of their niches in the wall. You're opening them up. Uh, you can see that there are little mummified sort of pharaoh-looking fairies uh, inside in various states of decomposition. Okay, yeah, if I don't really see anything after like a minute, I'll just go back and follow Errol. Yeah, you don't see anything unusual, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Errol is gonna walk in a little bit further and try to go all the way to the end of the room uh, and see if there is anything of note all the way in the back. End of the corridor, you mean? Yes. Here? Okay, Errol, when you get dead center, you feel a heavy block of sandstone underneath your feet sink about an inch into the ground. And you hear <laughs> eight funeral bells toll around oh, you, no. one from each face. It's at that moment that the mouths open, all eight of them. Uh, you reach the end of the corridor, Errol, and it opens out into a large chamber. You can't see uh, much of what's beyond, but it is a larger chamber. Within the mouths of these eight scorpion queen faces, these pharaoh-like headdresses, painted with peeling oil, there are gilded bone boxes within, but heavy, Obsidian blocks are slowly lowering down over both the entrance to this corridor 
and the exit. Errol, you are here in the middle. Miss Maple, do you leap into the corridor? Yeah, I'm going to start sprinting. Sprinting in okay. there. Okay. The entire corridor rumbles. And in a few moments, both of these obsidian blocks will seal you in. And that is where we end for this session. (laughs) Amazing. I can't believe we lived. Wow. Again. And I can't believe that like throughout like all the like ridiculous like risks that you took, like all worked out when we're great. You found a potion of healing. You kicked a wall down. I walk into the middle of a chamber and I start like an Indiana Jones style party ending event. Uh The most cautious player gets stuck in a trap. Oh, that's so unfortunate, but also hilarious. Yeah, it's just how the cookie crumbles. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Don't forget to check out the library to level up your game. We have InDesign to make adventures, Photoshop to create maps, and Logic Pro for creating background music. These are available on select computers on the second floor of the main library. If you want to learn how to use these resources, you can check out lynda.com, which is free with your library card. Check with staff if you have any questions. We also have a good selection of manuals and books to inspire you to build your own games. Those will be linked in the podcast description. And if you have any program or service ideas related to RPGs, send us a comment on our website and we'll do what we can. Thanks for listening.